What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the All Things Sports Podcast. I'm your guy, JR. It's like a few minutes to kind of give you my analysis on first half of the NBA season and look forward to the second half of the NBA season. Um, I won't be won't be a very long episode because if I was to break down everything I wanted to break down, we'd be here for a couple hours, and I'm not going to do y'all like that. So it's not going to be a long episode. I just want to kind of talk about the things that happened at the beginning of the season, teams that surprised me, teams that I'm looking at, um, and then we're going to talk about the second half of the season. I'm going to give you my um, all-things sports power rankings for the up to this point, I guess, quote-unquote, second half of the season's coming up. Um, it's really not the second half. It's like 30-something games left. But after the All-Star break has always been known as second half of the season. So I'll give you my power rankings. And then we're going to talk a little MVP talk, kind of how it irritates me. And I'm going to give you who I have at the top of the MVP ladder or my MVP ladder. Um, but we'll go from there and just kind of canvas um, the landscape of the NBA. Won't be too long of an episode. Just kind of want to give you my thoughts on the first half of the season and look forward to the second half. If you have not heard my latest episode, which is the thoughts on All-Star Weekend, want to encourage you to listen to it. Um, I did not go off like I did last year. How I went off on All-Star Weekend. But I did talk about some things that, uh, you know, why us fans, especially us diehard fans, are kind of just upset. I talked about why um, it bothers us that these guys don't compete. So I want to encourage you to go check that out um, and listen to that. So as always, I will uh, like to update you on what I have coming. I still haven't got my Panthers grade out. That will be coming. I still want to talk about the Steve Wilkes firing, even though it's been over a week. That's still coming. Um, and then I got Cole coming to talk about some MLB spring training starts this weekend. So we're going to cover some MLB. We've already got that going, prepping that. I'm going to be awesome. Uh, probably going to be a two-part episode just because we have a lot to cover. So be on the lookout for that as well. But as for today, we're going to talk NBA first half of the season. Look forward to the second half. Be right back after this short break. I'm your guy, JR. <music> guys welcome back let's jump right into it so i did not get a chance to cover the trade deadline uh, moves that were made um and quite honestly all you know i was disappointed i was talking to my brother chill b with the chill bravado podcast and i was kind of disappointed i told him i said i am no longer getting my hopes up for nba trade trade deadline because nothing ever happens, it feels like. It feels like nothing ever happens with the deadline. And I'm just like, I'm over it, right? Like I'm over nothing ever happened. But then I got to thinking, and then he sent me like, man, you got to think, all the deals already happened. And it did. In the summer, Bradley Beal, Damian Lillard, both traded. James Harden, traded. Pascal Siakam, traded. OG Ananobi traded well before the deadline. So the big names that were going to be moved got moved. So 
really that left us with no big move to be made. So I can't be too mad. Um, I guess it's just part of the, you know, the NBA hypes it up so much. You got, you know, NBA today with a four-hour special trade deadline special. What moves going to be made? You know, LeBron James with the hourglass emoji. You got this going on, Trey Young, da-da-da. And you think, oh, my gosh, a big trade is going to happen, and then nothing. It leaves you hopeless. It leaves you like nothing happened. But that's part of the brand. <laughs> that's part of the excitement. That's part of getting fans locked in. I'm not saying to do that stuff on purpose, but I'm saying that for this year, a lot of those moves have been made. And the NBA wants you to get excited. They want you to tune in. They want you to listen. They want you to click on everything to see what happens. That's just part of it. That's part of being a fan. That's part of enjoying the league. But nothing happened. Um, major happened. I'm going to read you a couple moves that happened that I I may talk about for a second. I don't want to hang too long on it. But the Knicks, they traded a few players to get Bojan, Bogdanovic, Alex Burks from the Detroit Pistons. I like this move. The Knicks are really hurt right now. Randall's still out. Uh, DiVincenzo still out. Robinson, Mitchell Robinson's still out. OG still out. Hartstein's still out. So they're missing a good portion of their team. To get Bojan, Alex Burks, two guys that's almost averaging. Bojan's averaging 20. I think Alex Burks was averaging like 19 points a game. Granted, they're both on a bad Detroit Pistons team, so they were able to get their shots and, and get their shots up and score. But – Two guys that can score. And when you get this whole team healthy, they got depth. They got people that can put the ball in the basket and people that can defend. I like the move for the Knicks. I really like what the Mavs did. They got Daniel Gafford from the Washington Wizards and P.J. Washington from the Charlotte Hornets. You got P.J. Washington, who is a better version of Grant Williams. They traded away Grant Williams in the trade. Um, I found that kind of funny. Uh, There's an article that came out that said that Grant Williams rubbed a lot of people in the Mavs organization wrong. I could have told you that from the minute you trade him. Grant Williams strikes me as a guy that thinks he's better than he really is. Like, listen, dude, like, you was on a team with Tatum and Brown. Let's not act like you an all-star. Then you go with Luka and Kyrie. And he walked around with the swag like, yeah, I'm him. Like, dog, you can be traded in a minute. And that's what just happened. Um, His little antics that he tries to do, uh, that stuff don't work all the time. You better be able to back it up. So it just makes me laugh that Grant Williams got traded. But anyways, um, Daniel Gafford, I really, really like the Daniel Gafford trade. That's a guy that can operate in the pick and roll. Um, a guy that is high energy. A guy that's a leaper. A guy that can get rebounds. A guy that can defend. Um, to me, you got Derek Lively and you got Daniel Gafford. The same type player. I almost feel like Gafford might be a little more athletic. I know Gafford is a little more bulky than him. So I could see them two splitting time, but Gafford in his first game with the Mavs, I want to say he had like 14 points, 16 rebounds, and like a couple of blocks. So his impact was almost immediate. And I think Lively has been a little injured, so he missed a few games, but I think they could start Gafford. And that's no shot at Lively. Lively was a lottery pick, but I think they need to start Gafford. Gafford is is a is a great modern day pick and roll big guy who can get up who can block shots, who has high energy, um, and who's continuing to learn the game. Once he learns how to play with Luka, big pickup. P.J. Washington, a four who can spread the floor, who can take you off the dribble, who can score 20 points a game with Charlotte Hornets uh, for most of the season, who can get to the basket, who has a nice jumper, who can play pick and pop with Luka, with Kyrie. I think this P.J. Washington deal is great. 
The only thing that concerns me about P.J. Washington is defensively. Who is he going to guard? Who can he guard? That is what kind of concerns me about P.J. Washington. Um, can he move his feet? Does he have the ability to guard? So I do like that move. We saw Pat Bev go to the Bucks for Cameron um, Payne. Um, not really much comment on that. I guess the Bucks need defense, so they got Pat Bev. The most underrated move of the deadline, Xavier Tillman to the Celtics. I thought that was the most underrated move. Xavier Tillman played for the Grizzlies. Solid big man off the bench, can provide rebounding and defense, can, can actually, you know, do a little work in the post, hit a little mid-range jumper. Love that move. Buddy Hill traded from the Pacers to the Philadelphia 76ers. I wanted Buddy Hill to end up in the Lakers, but I think the Pacers just was asking too much for Buddy. Um, I wanted him to go to the Lakers, a guy that can catch and shoot with the best of them, a guy that's a great, great three-point shooter. Um, I think if MB can get back this year and be healthy, I think that's a great move for them. And last but not least, Gordon Hayward signed to the Thunder. I told y'all some episodes ago, I thought the Thunder needed a vet. Here's your vet right here. A guy can come in, still contribute um, with a second unit, give you 10 to 12 points a game, um, and be a vet. Be a veteran for this young team. Um, in the buyout market, Spencer Dinwiddie signed with the Lakers. A move I like. Kyle Lowry signs with the Sixers. A move I also like. So, uh, not a lot happened um, during the deadline, but um, I like the moves that were made. Couple of winners and losers before I talk about the first half of the season and before we talk about the second half. Winners of the deadline, I thought the Knicks and Mavs um, did a great job at the deadline winning this one, getting some depth, getting some guys that can help them uh, make a playoff push, especially the Knicks. The Knicks definitely needed this. Uh, you get two guys that can score uh, and give your team some more depth. And I thought the Mavs did an incredible job, a better version of Grant Williams. Now, Grant Williams, you know, from much as I don't like him, he's a better defender than P.J. Washington, but P.J. can definitely score better than him, definitely more versatile um, than Grant Williams. So definitely love the P.J. Washington move. Um, and then Gaffer. I'm, I'm high on Daniel Gaffer. I thought that was an incredible move by them. Now you got Daniel Gaffer and Derek Lively probably going to play Dwight Powell out of a role, but, hey, it's the NBA. It happens. Uh, so... I love it. The losers, and Chill be going to laugh when he hears this. The Bulls, man. I've been calling for this team to blow it up, and they still continue to stay in mediocrity. Like, I don't understand. Like, this was the opportunity to reset this team. Levine's hurt yet again. DeRozan, the vet, still getting buckets, but ain't moving the needle for you. Um, and that's no shot at Debo. I love DeRozan. I've been one of my favorite players since he stepped foot in the league. Caruso can provide so much to another team. So can Drummond. And then Kobe White has taken a step forward. Why not try to build for the future? Um, get draft assets. Get contracts that are ending. That way you can have cap space. That way you can try to make some moves. Chill B always laughs at me because I'm like, blow it up. Why not blow it up? You're in medi you're, you're being mediocre. So, I'm disappointed. Third straight deadline in a row, the Bulls don't make a move. I'm disappointed. So, Bulls, you get a fat F in the trade deadline grading. On the All Things Sports grading, you get an F. You, you got to do something. You're not going anywhere. It's about getting better, not staying average. About getting better. And they did nothing to get better. I just don't get it. So, 
Let's talk about the first half of the season. Um, I think like I'm not going to go over the All-Star break. You guys have heard my kind of analysis uh, of the All-Star game. I said break, sorry. The All-Star game, I think it needs improving. Um, we'll go from there. Let's talk about the first half of the season. Let's look at the standings real quick. Boston Celtics sit atop of the Eastern Conference uh, standings and atop of the league, really. 43-12 and 12 record, um, six games above the second seed Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, really impressed with the Boston Celtics um, at the beginning of the year um, I, or this first half of the season. I've been real impressed with what they've been able to do. The only thing that concerns me about the Celtics going forward is the amount of three-point shooting that they do. They lead the league. 43.2 attempts. I don't know how you get point two. I guess it's just averages. 43.2 attempts a game from three, which is first in the NBA. 21 free throws a game, and which is 22nd in the league. That kind of concerns me. It concerns me a little bit because what happens when the three-point shot isn't falling? Now, I have the utmost confidence in Jason Tatum. I think Jason Tatum can get one-on-one. He won the best one-on-one players in the game. Like, I think he can get a bucket. I think Jason Tatum can force the issue. I think Jalen Brown, one-on-one, can get a bucket. Like, I'm not even slighting Jalen Brown. I think he can get a bucket. I think that one-on-one, him and Tatum can create, and him and Tatum can force the issue and get, uh, you know, a basket. So, I'm not worried about that. I'm just worried about when that three isn't falling, what do they go to? What do they rely on? What set do they go to? Is it Tatum in the post? Is it, you know, continue to fire up threes? Is it running through KP in the post? I saw a stat today. Christoph Persingas, number one in the NBA and points per post-up. So when he posts up, it's it's almost a bucket. It's like 1.9 points a game or something like that. So pretty much when he gets down on the post, he's going to score. So can you, can you go to that? I think they could go to that more. I'm not saying feature Persingas a lot because I don't think you need to. I think the role that he's playing as the third or fourth option um, has been perfect. Um, I think Derek White, you can make the argument that Derek White has kind of been the third option, but to me, it don't really matter. You got number one in Tatum, you got the two in Brown, and I said it's not 1A, 1B. It's This is Tatum's team. That's another argument for another day. If you want to argue with me, we can have that discussion. It's Jason Tatum's team, then it's Jalen Brown, and then it's Derek White, Kristoff, or Kristoff, Derek White. Like, it doesn't doesn't matter to me. Like interchangeable, and I think them two are okay with it. They've been playing their role great. Um, the only thing that concerns me with this team going forward, or excuse me, another thing that concerns me going forward with this team is depth. I worry about the depth of the Boston Celtics. Um, can do they have enough depth uh, to make a nice run? Now, when I say depth, I mean. Outside of their six, seven guys, I feel like you need eight or nine going into the playoffs to really contend. So I worry about that. Peyton Pritchard, small guard. Um, I worry about him coming off the bench. Um, Xavier Tillman getting him, great. You got Horford, the vet, great. This Hauser guy or whatever his name is, I don't know about him. Uh, Cormet, I don't know about him. So I worry about the depth going into the playoffs. But overall, I think the Celtics' first half of the season has been great. I expect and anticipate them going forward in the second half of the season to continue to play great. I expect this team to probably win 50, almost 60 games. Um, They've been far and above the best team in the league. Um, 
Coming in at second is the Cleveland Cavaliers at 36 and 17. What a surprise, right? I wouldn't have thought, who would have thought, you know, today that the Cleveland Cavaliers would be second in the Eastern Conference, but they just got on a roll. I think they won something like 18 out of the last 20 games. It was something unreal. Donovan Mitchell averaging almost 29 points a game, almost six rebounds, over six assists, just got hot and went on a tear. I personally think elevating himself into the MVP talk, which I'll get to here shortly, but I think Donovan Mitchell elevated himself to the MVP talks with his play. You got to understand, Darius Garland and Evan Mobley missed a lot of the 20, you know, a lot of the games that they won. And I think Donovan Mitchell just said, let me just put the team on my back along with Jared Allen and let's make this happen. They have two great big men that can defend in Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. They have a point guard in Darius Garland, who I love, who can score when need be, who can be a knockdown shooter, who can also get others involved. They got a, I don't want to call him a superstar because I feel like superstar is a loose term that we use nowadays, but they got an all-star in Donovan Mitchell, a guy who is an all-NBA performer, who can take over last minute, who's a clutch guy, who can, who's a closer, quote unquote, if you want to say, and can close the game out for you. Um, they have shooters, Max Struess, George's Niang. They got a guy off the bench who can produce, Karis LeVert. This team is a solid team that can defend and that can score. So I look for them. I don't look for them to, I don't, and you know, it's hard to sit here for me and say that this team is Eastern Conference Finals. Um, I don't see them in that tier. I still don't see them in the tier with Milwaukee or with New York or with Philly. Um, and that's hard for me to say that because of where they sit at in the rankings. But when I initially look at them, I don't put them in that tier because I don't have Donovan Mitchell in the same tier as a Giannis or a or 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 a MB. Maybe them and the Knicks are in the same tier. Like if we did tiers, maybe them and the Knicks would be in the same tier. But when I look at the Sixers, when it beats healthy, I don't know if they're on that same level with Embiid. I don't know if they're in that same level with Milwaukee, even with all their struggles, and we'll get to them next. I don't know if they're in that same type tier as them. So I do think that the Cavs um, have the right combination to make a deep run. I guess we're just going to have to see. Um, and I know that's not a great um, analysis or, or, or explanation, but I just don't like my gut feeling is I don't I don't see them in those tiers. So we're going to see what happens. Coming at number three is Milwaukee Bucks um, sitting at 35 and 21. I still don't believe in Doc Rivers and the Bucks. Um, I, the last 10 games, three and seven, last game before the All-Star break, lost to the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, I'm not going to crush them like everybody else did. Do I think they should have lost to the Grizzlies? No. You don't, you don't need to lose to the Memphis Grizzlies, who has a roster full of two-way guys right now. That game, Desmond Bain did not play. Jaron Jackson did not play. We know Jai's out. Marcus Smart's out. Um, um, Brandon, I forget the big man name. He's out. Like, nope, Brandon Clark. None of them played. It was G.G. Jackson. It was Vince Williams and a bunch of two-way guys. And they won. So, I just, uh, I'm not, 
I don't know where the Bucks stand. Defensively, they look like they're trending in the right direction. And the reason why they're trending in the right direction defensively is that they went back to their old principles. They went back to what they did with Budenholzer as far as their coverage and defense, which makes sense. Offensively, they look like they're taking a step back. Now, that could be Doc's philosophy or that could be just still learning to play with each other. Um, as crazy as it is, Dame, you feel like Dame hasn't been Dame. Um, 25 points a game, a little over five assists, three, four rebounds. You feel like Dame hasn't been himself. Um, and it's crazy to say that when a guy's averaging 25 points a game. But Dame can't be himself because he's not the focal point. The man on this team is Giannis. So I think they're continually to learn how to play with each other. Um, I think Dame is the closer for this team, obviously. But at the end of the day, I can sit here and I can go through them losing Drew Holiday. I can go through coverages. I can go through a lot of different things, schematic changes. At the end of the day, it's going to boil down to can they stop somebody? And that's what I think they can't do. And we've seen that through the first part of the season. I don't believe they can stop anybody. So looking forward to the first to the second half of the season, what I expect from them, I expect them to dig deep and work on defending. Offensively hadn't been their problem. Damian Giannis can score with the best of them. That hasn't been their issue. It's been, can they stop somebody? And with Damian Lillard and Malik Beasley in the backcourt, I don't know who they can stop. To take a, to take a page out of uh, my brother Chill B, he don't believe in having small guards. And in today's NBA, small guards can kind of hurt you. So I don't know. I don't know if Milwaukee can correct that. Um, I don't know if I believe. I, I've told y'all how I feel about Doc Rivers. I'm not going to go as far as J.J. Reddick. I don't know if you've heard that, all that controversy and say that he chokes, but or he's not, or he is, you know, he's making excuses. But Doc Rivers is sort of a choke artist. He's lost three, three, one leads and four, three, two leads. I mean, hasn't won a title since 08. It's 2024. That's 16 years. And I want y'all to think about something. Then I'm gonna move on. I want y'all to think about the players that he has had over the last 16 years since he's won that title. Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, James Harden, Joel Embiid, and still ain't won a title. Think about that. Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, be it they ran to the Warriors, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George for a year, in the bubble, they collapsed in the bubble, Ran to a hot Nuggets team that just beat them. So they collapsed in the bubble. James Harden, Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid did get hurt in the playoffs, so I'm not going to fault Doc um, too much for that. But they were up on the Celtics. So they should have, I ain't going to say they should have won, but had the opportunity to win. And now he's coaching Dame and Giannis. If he don't win with his three years here, he's a Hall of Fame coach. But what does that say about him? He got named, you know, NBA came out, I think it was last year, top 15 greatest coaches of all time. I think Doc was in it. I kind of question that, man. The amount of good players that he's had. Hmm. Let's move on. At four, the New York Knicks sitting at 33 and 22. First half analysis on them. I think the Knicks have been great. Um, before this last eight game stretch where they've been four and four, I believe. They were 15-2 and two in a 17-game stretch. Um, they were great. Defending at a high level, which is their calling card. And Jalen Brunson being the leader, 
allowing this team to score. Uh, Randall was making good plays, even though I don't like Julius Randall's game. I told y'all before, I feel like he a bull in the China shop. I ain't really particularly fond of that type of game, but hey, guess what? He's a two-time All-Star, maybe a three-time now. All-NBA performer, he gets the job done, so I can't hate on him for that. Um, OG Ananobi was playing well, averaging 15 points a game, seven rebounds before he got hurt. Um, this team was clicking on all cylinders, and then boom. Randall, DiVincenzo, OG, Isaiah Hartstein, Mitchell Robinson all got hurt. So they have been in the midst of a four-game losing streak. Um, I think once they get all these guys healthy, I think this break helped them out. I could see the Knicks once they get fully healthy. If Randall comes back, report came out that Randall may require surgery and may not make it back the rest of the season. That's going to be a huge, huge loss if Randall can't make it back. Um, but if he can make it back, if he can avoid surgery and make it back for that separated shoulder, um, I think this team can be a problem. I think Eastern Conference Finals is there. I think that could be their ceiling. They can defend. They have a they have a guy in Jalen Brunson who can lead the troops. And they have a guy in Thibs who's been there before. So I really like this Knicks team, um, the way they defend, the way they play. Um, coming in at number five, Philadelphia 76ers, I believe, you know, we all know the story of their first half of the season is Joel Embiid goes down. If Joel Embiid doesn't go down, this Knicks team is a two or three seed. I, really, I mean, excuse me, the Sixers team is a two or three seed and I think a pretty serious contender. Um, but we don't know the status of Joel Embiid, so we'll have to see on that. Coming in at number six, um, Indiana Pacers sitting at 31 and 25. I believe they may end up overtaking the Sixers and the Knicks, honestly. They're only two or three games behind both of them. Um, I think the Pacers can move up to as high as four. Um, Tyrese Halliburton has been incredible. Uh, I love his game, love his charisma, love his energy. Pascal Siakam has been exactly what they needed. The only thing about this team that concerns me is they can't stop a nosebleed. They just can't. They can't stop anybody. So you got to be able to – I'm not saying you got to be the 04 Detroit Pistons, but you got to be able to get some stops. If you can't get no stops, you're going to have a hard time in this league. Um, in the play-in right now, you have Miami sitting at 7 at 30 and 25. I don't have much to say about Miami. This is what they do every year. Kind of ride it out, you know, average team until they get to the playoffs. Then they start disrupting everything. I always have to be fearful of Miami because of Jimmy Butler, because of Coach Poe, because of Bam, and because of what they represent. They're going to play hard, they're going to execute, and they're not going to beat themselves. So you have to watch out for Miami. Coming at number eight at 30 and 25, the Orlando Magic who I have been pleasantly surprised with, Paolo Bencaro, who I doubted coming out. Um, one, because he's a dookie. Two, and I'm a North Carolina fan, so that kind of was one reason. I ain't gonna lie, that was a big reason. But two, I just didn't see what he did well. Like, what does this guy do to elevate a team? He's done nothing but average 22, 23 points a game, eight rebounds, um, improved his game. Him and Wagner, Franz Wagner has been great. Um, that front court, young front court that can score, that's long, that's rangy, that's athletic. This team can run. This team can defend. The only thing this team can't do, and you can look at the numbers, is they can't shoot. They cannot shoot. I think have if they could have traded for a shooter, if they could have got Buddy Hill, that could have been awesome. Um, but they just can't shoot. So I think that's something that's going to hinder them down the stretch. You got to have shooters in this league. You got to have snipers. They ain't all got to be Steph and Clay and, and Dame and, and Trey, but you got to have people that can shoot. Um, I think that's going to hinder them. Rounding they got the play-in tournament, 
nine and 10, Chicago Bulls at nine, the Hawks at 10, Bulls are 26, 29, Hawks are 24 and 31. Ain't got much to say about them other than watch for the Trey Young uh, over the summer. But first half of the Eastern Conference, my major points are the Celtics continue to dominate six games up. Uh, I expect them to finish first in that. I don't see no slippage coming with the Celtics um, the first half. Um, but what I would say is I think you can watch movement from two to four, actually from two to six. I think there's going to be a lot of movement, really. I think the Pacers are going to move up, and I think the Knicks and the Sixers, because of injuries, are going to take hits and kind of fluctuate. But in the East, I think the Celtics continue to run the East. I think looking ahead to the second half of the season, I think one of the things that we need to keep our eye on, a big storyline, is the Bucks. Can they right the ship? Can they play defense? Can Giannis and Dame and, and Doc find a way to work together? I think another storyline we can look for in the East is will Joel and B make it back and will the Knicks get healthy? Those are kind of my big storylines in the East going forward um, to see what can happen there. Take a short break. When I get back, we're going to cover the West real shortly. Um, and then after we cover the West, I will give you my power rankings and give you my MVP rankings and we'll get out of here. All Things Sports Podcast. I'm your guy, JR. Be right back. All right, all right. Welcome back, guys. Before I jump into the West and we talk about first half, um, just kind of first half um, analysis and looking forward to the second half, kind of same format I just did. I want to encourage you guys to go check out my brother, Chill Bravado, uh, podcast as he covers Laker 82-16. That's a series where it talks about 82 games in the season, 16 games to win the chip in the end. He does an incredible job of breaking down the Lakers and all things Lakers. Um, I don't talk about the Lakers as much. I'm going to start talking about them a little more, especially as we end the near, as we get near the end of LBJ's um, career. Now the end may be another two years, but we're nearing the end as you heard the man speak on it himself. Um, and I may cover that here too in a minute, talking about the Farrell tour. But um, as we end the near, I might talk about more of the Lakers and AD. and Because I want to show AD some love. I don't feel like AD has gotten enough love as an MVP candidate and also as well as Defensive Player of the Year candidate. Um, a lot of polls got Rudy Gobert winning Defensive Player of the Year, and I don't understand how. Anthony Davis is an elite defender. Anthony Davis, in my opinion, is the best defender in the NBA. Y'all can go back and check my podcast for the last year. I have always said that Anthony Davis is the best defender in the NBA and should have two Defensive Player of the Year awards by now. The guy can cover every position. The guy on the pick and roll can guard the can guard the guard and get back to the big in enough time. And he alters every shot. It feels like. His IQ on the defensive end, his presence on the defensive end, the way he affects the game on the defensive end is second to nobody to me. And it hasn't been looked at enough because all we see with him is street clothes, thanks to Charles Barkley and TNT crew. It's always been street clothes with him. So we we don't look at what he really does, which is affect the game defensively. Oh, and he gives you 26, 27 a game. It just trips me out, man. And But all we can see is the injuries. So... AD's defensive player of the year. You can miss me with this Rudy Gobert stuff. But so I got off on a little tangent there. But go check out my brother. He does an incredible job. As I told you, he talks about the Falcons as well. 
Um, that's kind of slow right now because NFL's over. But as news break about his Falcons, he lets you know what he thinks. So check that out. My brother, the chill be with the chill bravado podcast. Uh, it's always much love to my brother. And hopefully we can get together again and continue to go back and forth. I always joke with a man, me and him, we see stuff the same, but yet differently sometimes. So um, I love the pushback. He gives me the pushback. I give him always a good time when we link up and just chop it up about sports. So uh, check it out when you get a chance. Let's jump back into the Western Conference. Um, Number one team in the West. Did anybody have the Timberwolves as the number one team in the West? 39 and 16. You know what's funny about this? What's funny about this is that, you know, I did my NBA first half preview, you know, as I do at the beginning of every year. I come here, I preview who's going to finish where, what I think is going to happen. And if you guys happen to remember, those that faithfully follow, I left the Timberwolves out. Like, I completely left them out of the, like, play-in, playoffs, everything. Like, I didn't even name them. And then we fast forward to February 22nd, and they're first in the West. Incredible, man. I went from forgetting the bottom to being just surprised. Like, if I had to pick, and I didn't do that in the East because a lot of my surprises ain't in the East, it's in the West. But if I had to pick some teams that were a surprise to me, it would be the Timberwolves and it would be OKC. Those are my two biggest surprises in the league. I didn't think nobody seen them at one and two. But the, let's talk about the Timberwolves a little more in depth. I never believed in the Rudy Gobert and Cat pair. Again, go back and check my records. Go back and listen to previous episodes. I always thought that Cat and Rudy was the dumbest trade ever. Like it never was going to work. And somehow they found a way to make it work. I feel like Cat has accepted that he's the number two. Um, and Ant-Man, that man Anthony Edwards, is definitely the clear alpha, the clear one. Although I did not like what he said about the All-Star game and about how it's just a break. I did not particularly like those comments. But as far as the regular season goes, this guy shows up for every game. This guy plays hard for every game. Supremely athletic. Um, continuing to get better as a jump shooter, uh, as a three-point shooter. Um, can attack the rack with the best of them. And just wants to compete. Um, the comparisons that you hear is Michael Jordan a lot. They A lot of them view him as like a young MJ with the way he plays the game uh, defensively, with the way he is athletically, um, his athletic ability, um, with his mentality. So you hear a lot of the MJ comparisons. I'm not going to sit here and compare him to MJ. Um, I do think that um, he is a great talent and there is some MJ-like qualities. I think there's a lot of Michael Jordan-like qualities with him, but... Um, I ain't going to sit here and say he's a young MJ, but I do like uh, the way he's trending. I think, you know, there's been a conversation about the face of the league, uh, and maybe I can get into that, you know, later. But I think he could be one of the faces of the NBA. Um, but in doing so, you got to win, and that's what he's doing right now. 39-16, the best defensive team in the league, um, one of the best rebounding teams in the league, uh, a young team in the league with a great coach in Chris Finch. Um, I don't know if they can stay at number one. I think my second half uh, expectations for them would be, can they stay at the number one seed? Because I believe Minnesota needs the number one seed. Um, I think they need it to have that home court advantage. There's nothing like having a young team with home court advantage. So if they can stay in the number one spot with this home court advantage, 
I think that that will be incredible for them. Um, that way they can have home court throughout the playoffs and that will bode well for them. Um, and you know, it's crazy though. The Nuggets said that their hardest matchup last year was the Timberwolves. And I think it's because of all the length they have between Cat, between uh, Gobert, between Jalen McDaniels, between Anthony Edwards, between the, between uh, Nas Reed and Kyle Anderson and Nicole Walker-Alexander and Mike Conley, the vet. They have so much length and veteran experience and youth combined. Like, I feel like this team can really make a push at the Western Conference Finals. I wouldn't say that about just any young team. I think this Timberwolves team can make the Western Conference Finals. Now, am I picking them to get there? I'm not picking them to get there, but I definitely think they can make it. Like it wouldn't, it would not shock me if they made it. Coming in at number two, my team, team that I support, team that I love, Oklahoma City Thunder, sitting at 37 and 17. Again, who expected the Thunder to be second seed? I picked them to be a fifth or sixth seed. I thought that with the addition of Chet Holmgren coming back this year off injury, I thought that they would be better, but I did not see this coming. Led by SGA, averaging 30 points a game on the season. I think SGA is just a smooth, go about his business type player. You know what you're gonna get from SGA. You're gonna get 30, you're gonna get five to six rebounds, five to seven assists a game. Um, you know what you're getting with him. Again, I don't want to throw that term superstar loosely, but SGA looks like a budding superstar, right? You got a guy who is is the clear number one. You got a guy, Chet Holgram, who is, who is, for me, was the rookie of the year for a vast majority of the season until Victor Wimbyama just started taking off. You guys heard me. Um, he's making Victor, I told Chill B and a lot of people around me, Wimbyama's making me eat my words, man, because... I said that he was going to win it because the NBA wanted him to win rookie of the year. That just ain't the case. The guy's just better. I mean, I get to him in a little bit. I don't want to jump ahead of myself, but what he's doing is incredible in a short amount of time. Uh, so I can't even hate on that man. That man is playing well. Uh, but Chet, for a rookie, well, he's really not a rookie, but let's just say for a rookie, um, 17 points a game, nine rebounds, 2.7 blocks. I mean, that's not a bad stat line for a rookie. Does well for this OKC team. And then Jalen Williams. I tell those around me, Jalen Williams got a Jalen Brown type feel, a J-Dub as they call him. Got a Jalen Brown type feel to me. Like I feel like, y'all remember them young OKC days where you had Kevin Durant and Westbrook? Now I'm not comparing Chet and SGA to them. Two total different games. But y'all remember that pairing where you had like the world looked at Chet, I mean the world looked at uh, KD and then Russ. And then, like, now I feel like we're looking at SGA and, you know, Chet Holmgren. Then you had James Harden, who everybody was like, oh, this dude could be great if he was by himself. I got that feeling about Jalen Williams. Jalen Brown was the same way. Like, we saw this guy with potential, and then it was like overnight Jalen Brown just exploded. Like, I feel this way about Jalen Williams. Like, I feel like Jalen Williams is a budding star in this game that can explode kind of like Jalen Brown did, not to the level of James Harden, I feel like when James Harden got away, he just went to a whole nother level of, 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 of starter. James Harden was a superstar. Now, he was a superstar for a short period of time there. I don't know if he is now, but he was for a minute there. I don't know if Jalen Williams can reach that, but I feel like Jalen Williams, a.k.a. Jalen, J-Dub, can really explode. But the last three, four games, 30 points a game, uh, has really been playing well. 
Um, this team has a lot of youth. This team has shooters. And to get Gordon Hayward in to help them um, kind of be that veteran presence, I think was great. Expectations for the second half of the season with this team is can they stay in the top four? Can they stay in the top four uh, to have home court in the first round? Um, and can they stay in that? And let's see what they can do. Um, I don't expect them to make it to the Western Conference Finals. The West is tough. They call it the Wild Wild West for a reason. It's tough, man. You got a lot of tough teams in the West that you have to go through. So I expect them to continue to play well. But what I'm looking forward to is can they stay in that top four? Um, coming in at number three, the Los Angeles Clippers, 36 and 17. Two games behind the Timberwolves for the one seed. The Clippers, man, they have been rolling. Um, best record in the league since December 25th. Um, I think it was something now like 27 and 6 or something like that. Um, Kawhi Leonard, MVP candidate, been playing well. Paul George has fit in well. Um, had some slippage there for a little bit, but kind of rebounded. I don't know if you guys see what I've been seeing with Paul George. He don't look healthy to me. Um, and I say that because I'm a huge Paul George fan. Uh, my favorite player in the NBA has been my favorite player in the NBA for some time now. Uh, it was KD for a while, now it's Paul George. I love the game Paul George plays. His handle, his handle at 6'8", his ability to finish, uh, his ability to shoot the rock. Paul George looks a look like a step behind. I don't know if something's bothering him, if he's not healthy. Um, something just don't feel right with PG. I watched him the last three or four games before the All-Star break. He just don't seem healthy. Watched him in the All-Star game, ain't got no more lift. Um, he just don't seem healthy no more. Or right now. I don't know if at the beginning of the season, I felt like, you know, he looked different. So I don't know if the legs have gotten a little heavy because of throughout the season. You know, Paul George is 34. I don't know if the legs have gotten a little heavy. You know, he's just feeling some dead legs right now and laboring through. And maybe he'll catch a second win. He just don't look as explosive offensively. I'm not even talking about explosive as dunking the ball. I'm talking about explosive offensively. He don't look like he got that same gear as he did at the beginning of the season. But that's okay because they got James Harden, <laughs> who has looked incredible. I, see, the thing about James Harden that makes him a Hall of Fame player that people don't understand is his ability to adapt. His ability to adapt is better. I ain't going to say it's better. It, it's almost as good as anybody's I've ever seen, um, especially in this era. What do I mean by the ability to adapt? His ability to adapt to the system that he's in or to what they need him to be is second to nobody, maybe second to LeBron's. But LeBron, we know what LeBron is going to give you on a night-to-night -night basis. If you need James Harden to give you 30, he can give you 30. If you need him to be a two-guard to score the ball, he can do that. If you need him to facilitate, he can strictly just facilitate. That's what we see him do in Philadelphia. If you need him to do both, which is what he's doing for this team, he can give you 30 and still give you 11 assists and six rebounds. Like his ability to adapt to whatever system that he's in is just incredible. Or like he said, he is the system, which he may be the system, but his ability to adapt to who he's around is incredible. And you got to give a lot of credit to uh, Westbrook. I think Russ, you know, Russ, I think people forget. People forget how great Russell Westbrook is. This dude's a Hall of Famer. This dude's a first ballot Hall of Famer. We're talking about a guy, 24K points, almost 9,000 rebounds and 9,000 assists. Like, the only other person in the league right now with them numbers is LeBron James. That's it. Like, 
People forget how dominant Russ is. So I have to give him a lot of credit for transitioning, you know, to the bench and taking that role. Norman Powell has been incredible and kind of a, him and Russ has been that six man, but Powell has just been a microwave uh, for lack of a better word. He's been a guy that can come in, watch that Golden State Warriors game the other week. Man, he came in and completely changed that fourth quarter. Knocked down four threes from the corner, two from one side, two from the other, and just could not be stopped. So then you got Terrence Mann, who continues to feel, you know, does the small things. I haven't even touched on Zubak. Zubak's a solid big man, along with Mason Plumley, Daniel Thice. This team, I'm going to tell you right now, if I looked at the Western Conference right now, I got this team going to the finals. I really do. Uh, I think this team, uh, they defend, they can score, they're coached well, they have depth. They have, you know, veterans. I, I I don't see nobody beating this team right now, today. Now, that's not to say a month from now, you know, Denver don't turn it on and we see them make a push. I'm not going to disrespect the champs like that. Even though they ain't my favorite, I'm not going to disrespect them. Who's to say that they can't just turn it on and then we see Denver get back to playing like we've been accustomed to? So, uh, second half projections for the Clippers, for me, is can they continue to keep this play up um, and can they keep their guys healthy? Like At this point, I've seen what they can do in the regular season. We have seen what they are and what they can become. I still think they can play even better. But my projection for the second part of the season for them is can they stay healthy? Can they keep Kawhi healthy? Can they keep PG healthy? Can they keep Harden healthy in the playoffs? The playoffs are the big question for them. It's not necessarily regular season for me because I for me it don't matter where they finish I I think they can win anywhere now obviously you would like to finish as the one seed or a top four seed which I think they will just based off of how they've been playing but I want to see where they finish and I want to see the playoffs for them I'm not worried about the regular season I know what Kawhi does in the regular season I know what uh, PG and Harden well take a while out of that I know what PG and Harden does in the regular season I want to see playoffs we know what Kawhi does in the playoffs. I want, barring injury, I want to see can they stay healthy and what they do in the playoffs. Coming in at number four, as I mentioned previously, the champs, Denver Nuggets at 36 and 19. I feel like we have I just casually just looked over the Nuggets. Like, like we haven't given them enough love, but I feel like it's because maybe they're not as good as they were last year. But maybe they're just coasting, right? Maybe they're just saying, we don't, we want to stay in this fourth seed, uh, keep us home court advantage, but we know what we can do on the road. We know what we can do, you know, because we've been here before. And that could be, you know, that could be the case. But I just think, for me, when I look at this team, I don't think they're as good as last year. And where I think they're not as good at last year is depth. I think the depth of this team isn't the same as it was last year. Losing Bruce Brown, to me, and losing Jeff Green, to me, hurt them more than what we noticed as far as guys that can come off the bench, that has high IQ, that can still play the game um, in their role as a role player at a high level. Kristen Braun, good young player. Um, I think he can play well. Peyton Watson continuing to learn, continuing to get better, but they're not Jeff Green and they're not Bruce Brown. So I would like to see um, the depth, can those two guys continue to learn? Because I'm not worried about Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Aaron Gordon, MPJ. I'm not worried about them. The other thing that I will be worried about is the health of Jamal Murray. 
making sure that he stays healthy. Um, I feel like he's battled injuries here and there, um, but can he stay healthy? So Denver, I don't really have much on them. That's really it. Is can they stay healthy second half? And can their role players, Peyton Watson and Kristen Braun, and particularly continue to grow and be ready when that time matters? Coming in at number five, Phoenix Suns at 33-22. Uh, biggest thing for them first half and looking forward to in the second half is injuries. Bradley Bill has been injured most of the season. Uh, Devin Booker missed some time with a calf muscle or a calf injury. Um, Kevin Durant, you know, knock on wood, has been healthy most of the season. So can we? So can he stay healthy? Uh, so my biggest question about them is health and their role players. Um, outside of the big three, can their guys, Grayson Allen, uh, Nurkic, um, Royce O'Neal, who they just traded for, Eric Gordon, uh, can they? Thaddeus Young, who they just signed in a, a buyout market, can they play their role at an elite level and can they defend? I worry about defending with this team. Frank Vogel is a great defensive coach, but I don't know if he's got the personnel to defend like he wants to defend with this team. Frank Vogel traditionally always had a big team. Go back to the Pacers, Roy Hibbert, um, you had David West, you had PG, you had Stevenson, you had Granger, you had length, right? George Hill. You had guys that could defend. You go back to the Lakers team, Dwight Howard, Anthony Davis, um, uh, LeBron James. Uh, I think it had JaVale McGee coming off the bench. You had Alex Caruso when they won the championship when he was the coach. You have guys that could defend that were long. On this team, I don't see that. I don't see guys that can defend at a high level. So I worry about that. And also, the thing that they do great is they're going to outshoot you. You're not going to outshoot Bill Durant and, and Booker. But I would love to see what they look like second half. Can they stay healthy and can they defend? Coming in at number six, you got the New Orleans Pelicans at 33 and 22, a team that I also feel like we've forgotten about because Zion has been quiet. Like we haven't seen the explosive plays from him. We haven't seen the highlight plays from him. Um, so this team has been a quiet team. But I think if I had to pick a dark horse team, if I had to pick a dark horse team to say, what team can make a Miami Heat tight run? I think it could be the Pelicans. I really do. There's two teams, I think, and I'll get to them in a second. I think it could be the Pelicans. I think they could be one of the teams that say, watch out for this team. Dallas Mavericks uh, play in sitting at number seven at 32 and 23. Um, Luka, Kyrie, can't ever go wrong. I already spoke about the additions of Gafford and Washington that I like. I think this team, again, defensively is where I think they can improve and where they can make their mark to move up in the standings. Coming at number eight, 31 and 23, another team that I feel like we've forgotten about, Sacramento Kings. Here's my thing with the Sacramento Kings. One, Demonis Sabonis, I don't like him playing the five. Um, I just don't. I've never liked it. Um, also, the thing about the Kings is, is they only play one way, and that's fast. What happens when the game slows down? Um, and that's my question with them. We saw it last year when Golden State did a lot of high pick and rolls with Curry. It was Curry and Draymond in that game seven where Curry just had his way. What happens when the game slows down, when you get in the half court sets with the Kings? The Kings just want to shoot and run. That's all they want to do. They want to play fast. Can the Kings adapt to half court offense and what happens when the game just whoo, slows down? I love to see that. And coming in at 9 and 10, the Los Angeles Lakers at 30 and 26 at number 9. 
first half of the season for them, I would look at it and say inconsistencies. I feel like this is a team that's been inconsistent outside of LeBron, outside of Anthony Davis. I feel like a lot of the guys have been inconsistent. And I'm going to put AR in there. I don't think AR has been super inconsistent to me. Um, but can D'Lo keep this level of, of play that he has been playing the last few weeks going into the second half? And my projection for them second half is can LeBron James stay healthy, uh, making sure Anthony Davis stays healthy, and making sure that these role players continue to elevate their game. Rui had an incredible game. Uh, before the All-Star break, 30 points. Might have been 33. D'Lo has been just incredible. Um, I would love to see Jackson Hayes has came on as a young center. Uh, the ability to rebound, the ability to alter shots, the ability to run the floor. Hot, excuse me, high energy for them. Um, so I would love to see the role players take a step up because this is what you got now. You got Dinwiddie now who can be another presence, uh, a guy that can create his own shot, a guy that can get hot. So I would love to see, um, especially the games when LeBron is out. I think he's out for the game against the Warriors tonight. I would love to see um, what they do to improve the role players-wise. Last but not least in the play-in at number 10, the Golden State Warriors at 27 and 26. This is my other dark horse team that I think can make another Miami Heat-type run. Um, and the reason being is that man number 30. That man is a bad man. Um, I have been out on the Warriors, as you guys have heard, and nothing's changed about that. I'm still out on the Warriors. Like, I still think the dynasty is over. I still think that's what we're seeing unfold. But Steve Kerr did something that I have been screaming for for the last year. It's feature Jonathan Kaminga more. As we featured Jonathan, I said we like I'm a fan. As they have featured Jonathan Kaminga more, you have seen the difference. Um, I think he's become the second option. Defensively, he guards the best player when Draymond's not. Um, I think the addition of Draymond being back and getting back to his, uh, you know, getting back in game shape, I think Draymond has made a difference. And look, as much as I've crushed Draymond Green, his game speaks for itself. The dude's a playmaker. The dude can defend. Now, he fouled a lot that don't get called. He allowed to get away with a lot. But Draymond Green can impact the game in a lot of ways that a lot of people can't. So I think this team, um, I still think you're seeing the dynasty just fall, but I do think, and Klay Thompson, he got benched for Brandon Pojemski. Um, Klay's coming off the bench in this new role. I do think if Klay Thompson embraces this and play like he did the other night, we got a problem. I think you can see this team take a couple steps and maybe try to make a play to get in that, you know, the sixth seed. But I think Clay, and here's my thing with Clay. I think Clay Thompson is okay. I really do. A lot of people are talking about his, you know, he's declined. He's just do it. Has he declined a little bit? Yes, he has declined a little bit because of age, because of injuries. But as you've seen the other night, Clay still got it in him. I just think for him, it's mentally right now. Mentally right now, he's hearing contract talks. He's struggling with, I'm not the same guy I used to be, but I still can be a good productive player. He's shooting, he's averaging 17 and a half points a game, shooting 38% from the three-point line, guys. Any team would take that. But off based off of his standards, based off of what we've seen him be, we're like, oh yeah, Clay's just struggling. Clay Thompson's still a very good NBA player. It's just when we look at him, we don't see that same Clay that we was accustomed to seeing. But if he can buy in to this 
coming off the bench and playing well, coming off with Gary Payton, coming off the bench when Chris Paul gets back, I really think this can help this team and propel this team to make a run to try to get in that sixth seed. Or if they don't, I can see this team getting hot and making a run like Miami did. Do I am I am I predicting that? No, I am not, because the West is tough. But second half, I want to see is can Golden State get back to some of the things they were doing as far as the old Golden State that we've seen? Can Clay rebound and can we can and can we see this team? Have one more run in them. That's what I'm looking forward to second half. So my big storylines in the West, again, is can Minnesota keep the number one seed? Because I feel like they need it. Can the Clippers continue to stay healthy? Can the Suns stay healthy in the Lakers? Can they stay healthy? And can we see Golden State make one more push? When I get back, I'm going to give you my power rankings, my MVP rankings, and get on out of here. Be right back. All right, guys, real quickly, let's uh, let me give you my MVP uh, ranking and my power rankings for the teams. First, let's do the power rankings. Um, coming in number one, I got the Boston Celtics. Uh, I, again, I told you, I think that the Boston Celtics are the best team um, in basketball. I think, you know, 43 and 12. Jason Tatum being one of the league leaders for MVP, which I'm going to get to here in a minute. Um, I think that the way this team scores, the way they can defend, I think they're the best team in the league. Coming in number two, I got the Clippers. What I've seen from them is just incredible. Uh, Kawhi Leonard has been healthy, which has been a big reason for me. Um, Kawhi is a big reason why I have them at two. At number three, I got the Timberwolves. Again, we've talked about their defensive presence um, and their youth. At number four, I you know, we can't forget about the defending champ, the Nuggets. Um, I still think they're just coasting along, and can they turn it up? We're going to see. Um, at number five, we have OKC. I think OKC is a great young team, up-and-coming team. At number six, I got the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, defensively is why I have them so low. At number seven, I have the New York Knicks. Um, I think that the Knicks, again, with the way they defend, with the way they can play, um, and once they get healthy, I think they're going to be great. At number eight, I got the Phoenix Suns. Um, any team with Kevin Durant, with Devin Booker, um, and Bradley Beal, if they're not top ten, so it's a shame. At number nine, I have the Dallas Mavericks. Luka has just been playing Incredible. Um, I think Luca and once Kyrie continues to play and stay healthy, the additions that they made, I think this team gonna make a little push. And number 10 I may surprise you. I got the Pacers, man. Um, we got the Pacers at 10. Uh, and I may surprise you that I don't have the Sixers or the Kings or the Pelicans at 10. Um, there's a lot of good teams, guys. There are a lot, or the or the Cavs. Um, I know you look at this and I don't have the Cavs a team that's second in the East. I don't have them in my power rankings. Really, you know, I could probably put them at 10. You know what? I'm going to do that. I'm going to put the Cavs at 10 uh, over the Pacers. Um, and really, I could probably put them over the Mavs, but I have the Cavs pretty low um, sitting at – it's crazy I have them that low. But I told you, I don't, I don't view them like I view these other teams, right? So having the Cavs that low may seem – at 9 or 10 may seem – crazy but i think those teams above them get to a playoff series i think they could beat them i really do so those are my power rankings um 
Uh, and to just shore it up, I have, again, the Suns at eight, the Mavs. I put the Cavs at nine. I put the Mavs at 10. Um, I think the Cavs are a great team. They're probably better than the Suns, but these are my power rankings, and I'm going to stick with that. Um, going to my MVP rankings, some of you guys may um, disagree where I met with the MVP rankings. At number five, I got Donovan Mitchell. I think Donovan Mitchell deserves to be in the MVP ranking um, for what he's done with this team. At number four, Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think he's always just going to be in it because of what he does. As bad as this team is defensively, to have them at number three, that's a that's a that's definitely a, a, a great thing. At number three, I have Nikola Jokic at three. At number two, I have SGA. At number one, Shea Gilders Alexander at two. I got Jason Tatum as my MVP right now. Now, let me speak on this for a minute. There was a straw poll that came out. Um, they do a straw poll at the half every year. And they go to 100 uh, media members and they um, ask who's the MVP right now. Nikola Jokic got almost every first place vote for MVP right now. I don't understand it. I don't understand why. They're the fourth seed in the West. He's putting up virtually the same numbers, maybe a little less than he has in the MVP seasons. Why is he the MVP? I believe Jason Tatum is the MVP of the league. He's the best player on the best team in the league. And see, this is my problem with MVP, and I was ranting to Chill B about this. This is why I'm sick, and this is why I'm over the MVP talk. I'm over it because every year we change the narrative on the MVP talk. One year we gave it to Russ because he averaged a triple-double. Then he did it three more times, and he wasn't even sniffing the MVP talk. Then we give it to Joel. You know, the narrative feels like we gave it to Joel last year because Jokic can't win three because he ain't won a championship, right? Like, we have all of these narratives that continue to move. It used to be best player on best team that had the most impact, right? The goal post is continually moving with MVP talk, and it drives me crazy. But I don't understand a guy that's averaging almost 30 points a game, 8.9 rebounds, 5 assists on a 43-12 and 12 record on the number one team in the NBA, how he's not MVP. He was fifth in that straw poll. He was fifth. That doesn't make a lick of sense to me. Best record in the NBA, 30 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, and he's fifth in the MVP talk. And you know, it kind of makes you feel like, you know, Malika Andrews did a, a, a sit-down interview with Jason Tatum, and he said he feels like why he's not getting MVP is because he feels like people are holding the postseason against him, that the fact that he hasn't won a championship. I kind of feel that way, too. I disagreed initially when I heard it, but the more and more I think about it, and when I saw that straw poll came out, I, I feel the same way. I feel like they're holding the postseason failures against this young man. This dude is 25 years old and already been in the league seven years and already been to four or five Eastern Conference Finals and a championship in which they lost and which they probably should have beat the Warriors, but they lost it. He's done nothing but win. Now, granted, he's had a good team around him, but he's been the best player every year. Like to me, some of y'all may argue that him and Jalen Brown are 1A, 1B, not me. It's Jalen, it's Jason Tatum to me. 
Jason Tatum is the clear best player on that team, and we see it. He's leading this team. He should be the leading MVP getter, vote getter, and he should be the leading candidate. And on the All Things Sports podcast, he's my number one. Hope you guys have a great day today. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Hope you guys continue to tune in and share the word. Now I'm going to have more of an opportunity to lock in to the NBA as football is over, baseball is ramping up. I'm going to be talking about a lot of MLB, but I'm also going to be locked in to the NBA in March Madness. We're going to look out for my next episode. I'm going to talk a little bit about Caitlin Clark, too. I got a lot of things I'm going to talk about. But as for today, hope you guys enjoy this. Hope you guys have a great day, morning, afternoon, evening, night, whenever it is you listen to this. And as I always say, I appreciate your support and love. Peace out. Peace out.